Hi, I'm Gertrude Keesley, and this is Kingdom Consciousness. Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come, Matthews 24, 14. Before Jesus returns to set up his kingdom in its final form, the gospel of the kingdom must be extended throughout the nations of the world. In order to preach the gospel of the kingdom, we as kingdom citizens must understand the kingdom of God. Before we can become custodian to the keys of the kingdom, we must first experience kingdom living. In the past, much emphasis has been placed on the life and ministry of the king of the kingdom jesus christ and rightly so but not enough emphasis has been given to the gospel of the kingdom jesus told the religious leaders of his time ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye neither go in yourselves neither suffer them that are entering to go in matthew 23 13. It was this gospel of the kingdom that was the central purpose of Christ's life. He began his earthly ministry by declaring the arrival of the kingdom. That's, you can find that in Matthew 4.17. He ended his earthly ministry by speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom, Acts 1 and 3. In between the beginning and ending of his earthly ministry, the emphasis was on the kingdom. Luke 4.43 says, And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. The kingdom of God was the greatest concern of Jesus. His teachings and parables focused on the kingdom. His miracles were a demonstration of the kingdom of God in action. The phrases kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven are used over a hundred times in the books of Matthews, Mark, Luke, and John. We will explore the distinctions between these two. We are told to seek first the kingdom, to pray for it and to preach it. We are told how to enter the kingdom and taught that residency in it requires a new lifestyle. God is equipping his citizens to become kingdom minded so that we can understand the business of the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the king. Everything about us is royalty, but we must first adopt the mind of Christ in order to understand what that actually means. We cannot have a poverty mindset and expect to grasp the reality of how much God desires for us to prosper. But there is a greater purpose than just understanding kingdom principles. Citizens must go beyond mere knowledge of the kingdom 
to actually experience it and make it the central purpose of our living. So I invite you to come and go with me as we explore this most exciting, interesting, and eye-opening subject. Good afternoon. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Consciousness. Just want to talk briefly about the need for an awakening. The scripture says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near or at hand. And that was a theologian, J.J. Packer, who once said, there's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. So when you truly know God, you have energy to serve him, boldness to share him, and contentment in him. So when we consider the call to awakening, we are drawn to the image of a person rousing from sleep. Sleep in this context is not a physical state, but a spiritual one. It's a state of spiritual lethargy, of indifference, apathic, apathy, I'm sorry, towards the things of God. The call to awakening then is a call to shake off this spiritual slumber and rise to a state of alertness and readiness for God's kingdom. A loud and clear trumpet blast, that's what we hear. It's a call that demands our attention, a call that can't be ignored. It's a call that resonates deep within our souls, stirring us from our spiritual stupor and compelling us to respond. It's a call that invites us to a radical transformation, like a metamorphosis of the spirit. It's urgent. The call is not for a future time, but for right now. It's a call to immediate action, to immediate change. It's a call that does not allow for procrastination or delay. It's a call that demands our immediate response. The urgency of this call is understood by the phrase, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom is not a distant reality, but a present one. It's here and it's now. The call is not for a select few, but for all. It's a call that transcends barriers of race, class, gender, sex, all of that. It's a call that embraces all of humanity in its wide and welcoming arms. The inclusivity of this call is understood by the use of the word repent. Repent is not a privilege of the few, but a responsibility of all. Amen. It is a universal call to turn away from our sinful ways and turn towards God. The call is not a mere invitation, but a catalyst for change. It is a call that has the power to transform us from the inside out. It's a call that can turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, a call that can turn a life of sin into a life of righteousness. The transformative power of this call is understood by the phrase, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The nearness of the kingdom is not a passive state, (coughs) excuse me, but a dynamic life-giving force that has the power to transform us. The call is not a fleeting whisper, but a lasting echo. It's a call that endures through the ages, 
a call that remains relevant and resonate today. It's a call that continues to steer our hearts and transform lives, a call that continues to draw people to God. The enduring nature of this call is understood by the phrase, repent, for the kingdom has come near. The call to repentance and the proclamation of the kingdom's nearness are as relevant today as they were in the days of John the Baptist. There's a story told about Billy Graham when he was young in ministry. He was in this unfamiliar city and was going to preach. He was there that day and wanted to mail a letter, but he couldn't find the post office. So on his way, he saw a kid and asked him, hey, little boy, do you know where the post office is? The boy said, I sure do. And he told him how to get there. So Billy Graham thanked him and then said, hey, I'm preaching this evening at First Baptist Church. If you come, I will tell you how to get to, he to, get to heaven. The little boy says, I don't think I'm going to come. You don't even know how to get to the post office. Now, listen, as funny as this may be, Dr. Graham has indeed pointed millions into the kingdom. Listen, another example of this urgency is in Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died. This event is important because Uzziah had reigned 52 years in Judah. He was the patriarch of the nation of Judah taking the throne at 16 and receiving counsel early in life uh, from Zechariah, who was a man full of God. Uzziah was an extremely successful and powerful king. After the death of Zechariah, his heart became filled up with pride, so much so that he thought he was above God's law. You know, power can do that to men. He sinned, and God sent a judgment by giving him leprosy. His last years were spent in isolation, but he was still king. So when the king dies, things change. Americans have little understanding of this truth because we change presidents and little, and little changes we make. But when a king dies, things are different. In the land of kings and emperors and rulers, the death of a leader means vulnerability for the people. It can also mean opportunity for the better. It was at this pivotal moment in history that Isaiah gets a fresh word from God. He has been given words of judgment to record. Can you imagine his mindset as he penned the last word of chapter 5 and then Uzziah died? Before that can be a spiritual awakening, something or someone may have to die. You don't, you don't like the sound of this, but let's look a little further as, as in Isaiah's life. That was a revealing. This could be called a revelation because all of a sudden you realize that just, just how short you have sold God. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, the Lord. Get a picture in your mind of him because I think that you or that most of us don't possess a clear vision of who God is. This powerful picture of God does not sound like the modern day descriptions of God. I want to say that God is not a cross between a benevolent granddad and the man in the red suit that comes at Christmas time. This picture parallels the picture in Revelation 4. 
it appears that the first thing Isaiah saw was how high and lifted up God is. Secondly, how massive is his reach. And thirdly, that all creation were attending to him. Finally, how holy God is. So to get a picture of God is to get yourself clearly in focus. And that takes us to another point of this, of this section of scripture, a reality. Verse five should remind us of how much we need a spiritual awakening. Isaiah was God's prophet, writing down words inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. He has not lost his passion for God's will. He records it. He's not, being, he's not been chasing after other gods, but listening to the heart of Jehovah. Yet when he sees himself in the light of Jehovah, reality sets in. Reality. Think about that word, reality. It's, is that, reality is that which is true. Like it or not, it's that which is real. When looking at the throne of God, Isaiah becomes aware of who God is and who he is. In front of God, he is nothing. Amen. And he says, woe is me. Every major translation of the Bible uses the word woe. It's like a lament or a cry. It's like trying to translate, ah, there's no great way to translate it as it's a cry of the heart. Now, some minor translations or paraphrases attempt to make the emotion of Isaiah plain by using words like, oh no, I'm doomed, or I'm as good as dead, or it's over, I'm doomed. The living Bible is worth hearing. It says, my doom is sealed, for I am a foul-mouthed sinner, a member of a sinful foul-mouthed race. My Lord, my Lord. His agony ran deep in his soul because he knew that he needed to change. He knew he didn't measure up to God's standard. He knew that to say, to stay like he was, was doomed. And some people will say today, if that's the way it is, then I don't care to see a picture of the Holy God. But look at this. This is your options. You can see him now or you'll see him later. Today, he'll be your redeemer your savior, your friend, and guide. Today, he can transform you, human, dirty heart, um, into something beautiful. Whatever it is that pulls you away from him, he can and will give you strength to overcome it. And how will he do that? By repentance. This is Jesus's message. When he was on earth, his first words were, repent for the kingdom of God, the heaven is at hand. His last word to the church are found in Revelations 2 and 3. To five of the seven churches, Jesus said, repent or else. Did your parent ever tell you, do what I say or else? Normally, that or else is a real encourager. It encourages you to obey because you don't want the or else. So before you can repent, you have to confess. We can't be sorry for and repent from something that is generic. It must be specific and it must be confessed. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. Favorite two hearts. I wonder two hearts. today, 
Yes. Girls head with medium dark skin Excuse tone. me. Yellow five pointed star. Yellow five pointed star. I wonder Based today if our need for revival can exist because we have unclean lips. Instead of using our phones for good, have we used them to spread gossip, hurtful stories, or some other clean talk? Unclean talk. For Isaiah, it was his mouth. What is it for you? What is the sin in your life that stands between you and God? What is it that you need to confess or repent of? Isaiah confessed and repented, and God sent the seraphim to cleanse him. That's in verse 6. For you, it's not a hot tongue. It's the blood. Amen. What is it and why is it that we need to be awakening, awakened or re we need a renewed spiritual to be renewed spiritually? Well, for one, it's easy to get preoccupied with other things. Secondly, it's easy to get pride, prideful and forget God. And thirdly, it's easy to get deceived and embrace other God, embrace other gods. So before you say, I don't need to be awakened, renewed, revived, or refreshed toward God, allow me to remind you of this. Our Lord knows the truth. So how long has it been since you have seen a clear vision of God in your life? The need is now. God bless you and have a great, great week. Yeah.